There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. We are the podcast that aims to educate our listeners on the variety of opportunities available in the music industry by really getting beneath what job titles actually mean. Today we had a lovely chat with Kelly Slade from TikTok. Kelly talks to us about her journey in the world of sync from kickstarting her career at Cobalt to strategically moving to Sky to experience another side of sync before joining TikTok in 2020, where she oversees the commercial music and creative licensing team in EMEA. In other words, sync at TikTok, working with brands who advertise on the platform along with publishers, labels, and bespoke music companies. Kelly. Welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start at the beginning of your career. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, Kelly, TikTok, what's it like to work at TikTok? But we're just going to take it back, start at the beginning, and then, you know, dive into that area of your career, which you, you've been at TikTok for about two years now. Did you always know what you wanted to get into when you were first starting out? So I know you went to ACM, but I'm curious to know, like, has music always been a passion point of yours? Was music available as a subject to study when you were at school? Um, yeah, so it was, but it was very much musical performance, which unfortunately I have not been blessed with the gift of. Um, but I've tried to play instruments growing up. None of it ever really came to anything, probably because I'm impatient. Yeah, I was, I was always really into music. I was always kind of within the, I guess, the, the musical kind of, kids at school like people in bands and you know all that kind of you know the battle over bands and all that kind of stuff when you're growing up it's like the most exciting thing in the world um and then I went to uni and I actually went to three different unis <laughs> um I only finished the one um but I had convinced myself that I really I loved adverts and that kind of thing and was just really obsessed with them you know my mum's told me before when I was a baby I wouldn't watch tv I would just watch the adverts for whatever strange reason um, and I just really really thought I wanted to be part of that world so I went to um, one uni and I tried advertising and marketing and it just I just didn't vibe with it I left after a week <laughs> and then second one I, again I tried to do some kind of like marketing advertising comms um, I did a year there and it was just a bit too far away from everyone it didn't have a lot of direction to it it felt like I was learning stuff but I didn't really know why or where to point it to it just kind of felt very vague um, so in that year I sneaky applied to ACM and got in without telling anyone because I was so scared that my parents were going to be mad at me for changing unis again they're very very supportive people but three was a bit much um, I did the whole application it's kind of not a normal university it's like a private one so the application was slightly different it wasn't really through UCAS you had to like write loads of stuff and I was like well I'll give music business a go my boyfriend at the time lived there all of our friends are going to ACM it was kind of that crowd was all very um, familiar to me and I just thought it sounded like a really amazing place to go and it kind of just gave me a bit more direction at least I thought if I do something that I enjoy and I'm interested in, and at least that's a good place to start. Um, so yeah, I did that um, in 2012, 2013. 
Um, it was a two-year course. It was really, really interesting. Loads and loads of stuff um, that I just, I had no idea about the actual music industry. I just um, knew that music was something that I was interested in. And like I said, all my friends were there. So it felt like a good place to start. Ironically, my least favourite subject while I was there um, was publishing and contracts. <laughs> It just felt too hard and it felt like there was too much that I didn't understand and, you know, PRS and mechanicals and all this kind of stuff. People explained it to me so many times and it just never seemed to go in. Um, and then six months later, I landed a job at Cobalt, which was honestly like a dream for me. Um, we talked about Cobalt a lot at university and... Um, you know, it was just a really exciting place at the time. They were doing loads of stuff. They were getting loads of amazing artists in place and songwriters. And it was just like very, very prominent in the news. And I applied for a couple of jobs there. Um, one was a copyright assistant that I didn't get. Uh, and then a couple of months later, I applied for sync assistant. And that's kind of when it sort of really dawned on me that that was kind of what I wanted to do. It was like the advertising world and the music world all kind of coming together in a job that I didn't really know existed until about halfway through university. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is all the stuff I like. <laughs> it's all the stuff I enjoy. Um, so hopefully I could find a way to do that. And Michelle um, Stoddart, who's like a, just an absolute legend in the sync world, took a, took a risk on a newbie six months out of university. Um, and I started as a sync assistant. It sounds like from studying at ACM that helped you understand the different types of opportunities? Would that be a good take on it? Yeah, I think so. It just kind of opened up my eyes to the kind of possibilities and the vastness of the music industry, I guess. It, it always seems <clears throat> quite cut and dry when you're not involved in it because obviously you don't understand the nuts and bolts behind it. But yeah, it just really gave me a great um, base understanding of what I thought I was getting myself into. And with sync, was that something that you covered when you were at uni or was it something that you discovered when you were then applying for jobs and had discovered this sync assistant role and you're like, oh, actually, marketing, advertising, music. Oh, I didn't know this existed. So let's definitely give it a go. Yeah, it was a bit of both. I definitely knew that it existed by the time I was at university. It was kind of I knew it existed. I didn't really know that there was an entire industry for it. It's all still very new to me, but like my dissertation was on artists and brands and whether artists and, and bands could be seen as remaining authentic if they were to go down the route of sync and advertising. My whole kind of project was about these massive brand partnerships in music, the classic like Spice Girls and Pepsi and Coca-Cola kind of partnership. Bands and brands kind of coming together in a world that I'd never really thought of before I suppose so I was definitely really keen it sort of felt like a bit of a pipe dream I think at the time because it just seemed like such an unachievable thing to do um, and I did a couple of um, internships as well I did one at a PR company I did one at um, a record label at Cooking Vinyl um, and just kind of tried to scope out what was going on what I liked what I didn't like um, so yeah by the time I landed the job at, at Cobalt as a sync assistant I was thrilled I even remember where I was when I got the call which is so crazy that that's after like what, eight and a half years but yeah it was really really exciting. Was it also the type of company and the culture that came with the role? Yeah I think um, I was quite diligent I'd done a lot of interviews by that point and I'd been rejected a lot I kind of knew what I had to do the kind of research that I think was is necessary when you're looking for a job um, the interview process was quite overwhelming. I've kind of found that with most of the jobs I've got, it's usually quite intense. I remember I did about three or four interviews. There was a maths test <laughs> to work out if I understood, like working out the percentages of or the pro rata fees for, I think the example was the Brit Awards, if we were licensing for them. Um, and then after, I think, two or three interviews, they basically just brought in a bunch of people from the team as a kind of culture fit. And that's when I sort of thought, well, this is great because they really care about the culture and they really know that that's important and I think the, the company was quite still quite small when I joined it obviously seemed like a really important part of being at Cobalt was that you got on with everyone you kind of knew how to chat to everyone and anyone and kind of work things out together so yeah it was definitely that plus everything I'd read kind of in the media about what they were doing for artists and the way that they kind of represented and 
looked after artists' interests. All of that stuff really stood out to me at the time. And as your career developed at Cobalt, you went on to work more in Creative Sync. Was that something that you purposefully went into? So I can see that you, there's definitely been a bit of consistency with choosing companies that do invest in development and collaboration. So I imagine those are core values that you also look for in a company. Yeah, I think it's just, it's really important to make sure that you feel comfortable somewhere. Um, and I always liked the idea of the creative side of it, but it became really apparent to me. The first two years or so, maybe I was at Cobalt, I didn't really do anything creative. There was creative elements. We would get a first look at like new albums or we would all kind of collectively pitch into um, a brief, for example, but it was never really my responsibility. But that first couple of years was absolutely crucial for me, in my opinion. And I think what actually makes a good sync person is being able to understand all of it in some capacity. So I did, I logged everybody's sync deals that they were doing and I put together licenses and I looked at red lines and all these things that meant that I had such a fundamental um, understanding of sync and what that should look like that it meant that the creative stuff kind of was a bonus but it also meant that I kind of felt like I had a really good grasp on what it was that I was doing. Um, and my development, I think, at Cobalt was kind of perfect. I think, you know, starting from having zero information to coming out five and a half years later, feeling so confident. And I think taking your time and learning all the elements of it really makes a difference. I think the creative side of Sync is, is very exciting and it seems like the kind of shiny, flashy side of it. But it's not, I don't feel like it really count unless you kind of can do the whole thing and that's a very very much a personal opinion but I think there's nothing better than feeling fully armed in what you're doing at work and I think was a really really important step for me to actually understand what I was doing. So the relationship with contracts and rights has definitely shifted. Yeah it's still really important I think we still you know I still do a lot of it day to day now I think it's usually with a slightly more inclusive kind of team of other cross-functional people so like legal and maybe our other music team and, and that kind of stuff but um yeah it's it's really important and like I said if if I if you'd have told me while I was at university that that's what I would end up doing I would have cried because I just found it really stressful but I think I guess it, in sync you kind of have to know it so you either know it and get to grips with it or you don't and then I and I guess that kind of puts a bit of a, a limit on how far you can really go but it's like I said, it's it's a very nice feeling knowing that you can confidently make a call on something, whether that's on your own or as part of a team. And and that in sync, I think, comes from experience and doing it and getting down in the dirt with it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it is. It definitely builds your confidence when you really feel like you've got to grips with your role and your, the purpose of your role and you know who to go to when you have a problem or you know, when you're given a task and you've got like five days to complete it or, you know, less in some instances. Yes, definitely sometimes less. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just, to me, that is all part of sync and the creative and the pitching and the, the music, the actual music side of it is really great. But I think all the other stuff is actually, can feel like such an accomplishment when it's done as well. Like you said, if there's not a lot of time or, you know, things are changing back and forth being able to believe in your knowledge and your kind of foundation of what you know about sync is is a very reassuring place to be when everything's moving at 100 miles an hour 100 percent. my boss always says to me trust your knowledge <laughs> it's, it's funny because i feel like there's always like you'll catch me on one day and i'll be like oh my god i don't know what i'm doing i, I still don't know after eight and a half years what how can I not know this? Or, oh my God, I can't believe. And then the next day I'll be like, how dare you question me? I've been doing this for eight and a half years. And it's very much, sometimes it's very much one or the other. And I just, it just makes me laugh. Cause I think that is the music industry as well. It's all, it's not very formalized. It's not very structured a lot of the time. So kind of taking that knowledge that you have and applying it in different situations can feel like a very, um, overwhelming task but it's actually how a lot of stuff gets done I think for sure and when we're not learning perhaps 
you're not feeling fulfilled and so when you are presented with those moments when you're like do I know this I should know this it's like okay well let's kind of see this as an opportunity there's never anything that's gone so drastically wrong you can't work it out and I think that's something that I've learned probably more of my time at TikTok is like we're not brain surgeons I know some stuff about some things in sync so I'll we'll work it out we've got a great team of people globally and locally and uh, you know it's that also feels like a such a huge accomplishment when it's done 100% so what was then having loved this role at Cobalt been there for five and a half years what was the reason for moving on you went on to Sky for a year before moving on to TikTok I imagine that was drastically different like a different environment different day-to-day um what was your experience of that yeah I think by the time I was finished at, at Cobalt it just it felt like I'd done kind of everything I could I had learned so much and I think the music industry and the sync industry in general people do tend to move around quite a bit so by five and a half years it kind of felt like I've done my time I've loved it now I want to kind of see what other what other opportunities are out there and I think the the thing that I was really keen to do was see the sync world from the other side so obviously Cobalt's very rights holder it could sometimes feel quite transactional of like there's a brief you pitch to it you clear it and then that's your kind of portion of the project is done not all the time there are some kind of more longer term things which are just as exciting but when I moved to Sky it was a little bit more um, like project management type thing so you were kind of bought in when it came to the TV side of things you were bought in at the beginning they have a kickoff kind of meeting with every single department you learn what the show's about what the timelines are looking like what they want to do with music where the music's that involved what they did in the last series or if this is brand new the production team that they're working with and you kind of get, get stuck in from the very, very beginning. And that kind of sets you up as a more long-term project-based kind of worker, I think. And that was just something that I'd not really done yet. And it was really exciting just to see how that all worked and kind of working with lots of different teams. We were working with the promo team, the Sky marketing team, their social teams. There were external production companies that were coming in to, to produce these series that Sky was running. And that kind of plate spinning, I think, was something that I'd not really done before. And it was that side of music supervision. Um, it was kind of the side that I always wanted to be on. Um, but I think it's also really important to know both. So this was kind of the next step for me in terms of seeing it from the other side and, and getting a real start to finish perspective on, on these projects. OK, so it was quite a strategic move. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the sync world people move around quite a lot and it's it's always quite interesting to see once one person moves the next person kind of jumps in that position and then their job becomes available and it kind of moves and moves and moves so um when that starts happening you have to kind of jump in at that point sometimes it can feel a little bit still for a while everyone's very happy where they are and then there's a little bit of movement and kind of things start to change and that was it wasn't necessarily that i was you know trying to leave at that moment but when the opportunity came and I also knew I had a couple of friends that already worked at Sky in different departments and they loved it they absolutely raved about it the campus is amazing the kind of company atmosphere is really great um and I just thought give it a go why not it's you know I I didn't feel like I was lacking anything from my time at Cobalt so it seemed like a good a good reason to kind of see what what the other side felt like yeah definitely no that's a really good strategic kind of development move as well I think um particularly with the different types of formats um that you're licensing for in the sync world would you say that sync has become this kind of more well-known area of the music industry in the last couple of years yeah definitely I think you know the kind of sync that I learned about when I was just starting out was it still sometimes felt a bit naff or a bit forced I guess and not not all the time I think there are lots of artists that were very um, forward thinking with it but there were some kind of bigger more classic artists that were just kind of dead against the idea because they, maybe they felt it undervalued them or it kind of devalued the the art and fair play to them for, for their views but I think it's just really developed in the last maybe 10 years or so where it's become a really exciting opportunity for brands to align with popular culture but it's also become a really amazing kind of 
second or third income stream for artists, especially during lockdown. I think you weren't touring, you probably weren't selling a lot of merch. You know, streaming is what it is. Um, however, however artists feel about that, but you know, sync essentially is a load of money for something that you've already put the work into and you can you can replicate that loads and loads of times it's not like a you use a song once and it will never be used again if you've got a song that's really great you know, like a lizzo track or you know something that just really sticks in people's heads then you can keep that going that momentum in sync for years and years as long as you're careful with what you do and i just think you know we've seen so many opportunities and kind of things come from the money that people get from sync um and that's something that I'm, I feel quite proud of, I think, especially during lockdown. It was kind of a bit of a saviour, I think, for some some artists. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that brings us really nicely onto talking about TikTok and, you know, thinking about the legacy artists that have had a resurgence on the platform, Fleetwood Mac, to name a few. That, I imagine, has been really rewarding, even if it wasn't like a direct brand partnership that you were clearing the music for. It's kind of my favourite bit about the platform, I think, is that there are no rules when it comes to what's trending, what's viral. You know, we as a company kind of are somewhat involved sometimes, like, you know, the up and coming stuff. We have a music ops team that are really amazing at engaging artists that are, you know, new releases and things like that. And then, like you said, we'll get one day a guy on a skateboard will do a video to Fleetwood Mac Dreams and it kind of just gets absolutely blown away. We get some like essentially random postman doing a Weller Man song and that absolutely explodes and it's like an old fisherman song. I'm trying to find the publishing for that, by the way, it was an absolute nightmare. Oh my God, I could imagine. <laughs> and it was huge as well. So it wasn't like it was a low risk trend going on. And we used it in our in our advertising. So like we kind of, we have to, once we've made our bed with stuff like that, we have to lie in it. So these things come out and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then we kind of want to capitalize on that and show people what an amazing platform it is. And then it turns to one of us to be like, so who owns this rogue fisherman song from the 1800s or wherever it's from? And you're like, oh, who knows? Um, but it takes a bit of digging, but it's usually quite an exciting time for everyone because it's like a bit of a gold mine of like trying to work out what's going on. But yeah, I think like, you know, Elton John has come onto the platform and ABBA and Fleetwood Mac in you know Stevie Nicks and Nick Fleetwood both joined the platform after that viral moment and it's just like you can't really predict those things Rasputin being a big hit of 2021 yes. who would have seen that coming yeah. you know Billy Joel Zanzibar came back for a bit and it's just like there's no real I mean there probably is some kind of formula that I'm not aware of but like what would be the rhyme and reason behind that apart from it's an it's an amazing kind of music discovery platform that is now catering to younger people who are hearing this stuff for the first time. So it's no different than when Fleetwood Mac released it originally. It's just that it's a new set of ears and a new audience. And I think there's not really anything like that at the minute that, that does such a good job of being such an open and kind of flexible music discovery platform. Mm. Kate Bush's resurgence has a great example of that. I like that one a lot as well because it's a combo of like Stranger Things and social media and TikTok and kind of all of them coming together. Like I think if it was just, if it just happened on Stranger Things, I'm not sure it would have had the same traction. If it had just popped up on TikTok, I'm not sure it would have had the same traction. But the kind of combined force of the two mm. is is again something that we've really not seen before in terms of like other platforms or other points in pop culture kind of combining as much as as that and i think again like who would have who would have predicted kate bush like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me but that's kind of why i like it so much is that it's just an absolute wild west of of things just waiting to go viral and remixes of old stuff and you know all this kind of stuff that you just there isn't a home for, I don't think, but it's all, it all happens so authentically on the platform that that's kind of set that up perfectly for itself. Yeah, and it all comes from the creators as well. So if someone's listening to this track and they decide to create something really genuine and authentic, showing their self-expression, then it could become a trend. And you know, then that artist suddenly has a number one, thinking of Kate Bush again, has a number one after like 40 years. Incredible. Exactly. Yeah, breaking records for 
being the furthest um, away number one. So the first time was 40 odd years ago and then number one this year. It's like that's a record-breaking thing and, you know, it just, yeah, it just kind of blows my mind a bit. And I think the, the, the bit I like most is about the platform and how people exist with the music is it's not shiny it's not glossy it's kind of very real life it can be really really sad moments it can be really you know there was a trend with Mika a while back that was like people just telling like really sad stories but it's like the connection and the community that comes with that that it doesn't have to be like you know super super shiny well-produced amazing quote-unquote content it can be people just kind of doing their thing and that's what kind of seems to resonate most on the platform which is very unusual i think in social media and entertainment platforms if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Do you think that the algorithm has something to do with that? Because it's not directed to your social environment like Instagram when you have followers, but actually whenever you put a video up, it will go to whoever is going to be watching that type of content themselves. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I've never really thought about it. I think it kind of, they all these things kind of breed each other, don't they? The fact that you're not putting out to a specific network means that more people are going to see it and more people are going to resonate with it. Um which then in turn means that you don't have to be this projected version of yourself that you've put on Instagram or that you've, you know, you don't edit these things. Sometimes it can be videos of someone falling over or whatever. And it's just like, I think the kind of the full out and out community nature of it, like you said, that anything could pop up anywhere, just kind of lets people's guards down a bit, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. It makes imperfection trendy. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, I think, you know, TikTok's still very young as well, to see how that develops, because it kicked off so aggressively during lockdown. I think, you know, some people were maybe considering, like, well, what happens after lockdown? People aren't going to have hours and hours to sit and create content content in their bedroom or whatever, but you've seen so much now of, like, live music shows being posted or, 
you know, people doing stuff or going on holiday with their friends and all that kind of stuff. I think it's it's merged a little bit and it's and it's shifted, which I think is so really exciting to see how that kind of develops now that we're out and free. We're out and free. <laughs> Just recovered from COVID for a second time. Post Glastonbury, <laughs> by the way. I blame Glastonbury 100%, but it was worth it. So I would go again. It was a magical weekend. So just going into what you do day to day, how the opportunity of TikTok came about. Um, it was 2020 that you joined the company. So it was obviously around at that point, but it wasn't always at the tip of our tongues. How did the opportunity come to you? Um, did you know about the company? What were your attractions to this specific role? It was a really random happening actually i i kind of i knew about the app i think i'd already had to delete it once because it was i was just spending so much time on it <laughs> by the time i'd seen it and it was you know it wasn't my job then so i had to be careful how much time i was dedicating to scrolling around on tiktok but it just popped up on my linkedin one day um i didn't know anyone that worked there well it turns out i knew christian who works in the legal team but i didn't realize i think he hadn't quite announced it yet so when that job popped up i didn't know anyone that worked there and I just thought what could go wrong I remember we we had a couple of people staying with us they just had to move out their house and then lockdown hit so they were kind of looking for a new place to live and there was four of it four grown-ups in a two and a bit bedroom house and we were all feeling a bit um, insane at the time and it just popped up one day as I was scrolling around on LinkedIn and it, it was called like licensing manager bite dance or something and I was like mm, that sounds kind of like what I do but obviously the scope of licensing is quite broad um, and I saw something like 88 applicants have already applied and I was like oh geez <laughs> but I just thought I said to my friends what do you think like we'd obviously spent the first month of lockdown quite quite into TikTok as an app and they were like just go for it give it a go like why not you've got nothing to lose and I'm always a big proponent of doing interviews I think no harm can come from doing interviews I think if you do five or six years at a job each time you're only doing one interview every five or six years and I think you don't necessarily have to be desperate for the job but it's a really good practice it's really good to learn how to present yourself in those situations so I said oh, I said to her, I'll just do it I'll give it a go um, and I think that was probably the May April May um, and then five or six interviews later uh, I started in August but um, yeah it, it seemed once I'd read the job description, it seemed very sinky. It seemed kind of exactly what I was already doing, but it just was kind of a new, again, another kind of string to my bow that I'd never done. When I started, there was four of us globally. All the other three were in the US. And now today we've got 15 people in the team globally in less than two years. So mm -hmm. it's absolutely amazing. And I felt very lucky to get in at that time because I've never been that early to anything. You know the places that i've been before had all been quite established companies in their own right and this felt like a really exciting opportunity to kind of set my own path a bit and you know my team are amazing the three guys that were there when i started were the best um very supportive my manager is you know really really great um and i just think it was the perfect kind of move for me and i being at sky for only a year felt a bit stressful <laughs> I guess because you know what everyone always says and thinks about people moving around after a year but it just felt like too good an opportunity to pass up let's demystify what it's like to work at tiktok for a minute so how would you describe the culture people and pace um it's a lot i think everyone there is very passionate about being there which is an amazing day-to-day -day kind of environment to be in um there's a lot of opportunity the pace is very quick but it's lots of people working together very quickly which i think is is actually quite a nice atmosphere to have everyone's very keen everyone's very enthusiastic um everyone's very supportive i think because like you said it's still so new everyone cross-functionally are trying to work out what's happening <laughs> all the time and what's the best way to deal with it and using experiences that we've had in previous um circumstances to kind of apply to these new situations and i think um the development that the company has seen in itself over the last two years is incredible i think when i started even from an employee perspective like the hr side of things wasn't super established yet because it had only really been around for a year 
to like the idea of like dental or you know anything like that that just makes you feel like you're in a really great place was all still being built and they were even from that perspective they were very keen to hear feedback and hear suggestions and what do people want and how can we help you feel at home at TikTok um, but yeah the pace of it is is quick um, and there's just a lot of moving parts so like from our perspective we oversee two different kind of sides of commercial licensing on the platform so um, there's one side that is the TikTok kind of owned and operated social media marketing the TV adverts all the stuff that's TikTok branded we help with that whether that's creative um, briefs or pitching or um, you know working with our other music team to kind of suggest artists to be involved or whatever that is we do that and my team specifically do that across all of EMEA so whether that's um, you know the South African team or the team in Dubai or wherever wherever they need assistance we're kind of the ones that that will help that along the way and then the other side of that is assisting the the third party brands that advertise on the platform so whether that's like Nike or BMW or L'Oreal or whoever we help them to find the best music solution for them based on their timelines and their budgets and what they want from the campaign. Um, that's taken a bit of a pivot in the last maybe six or nine months. You know, when I first started, I was just trying to be involved in every project, at every point, whether that's creating custom work, commercial licensing, you know, anything, anything that a brand needed, I kind of jumped to because it was such early days. Um, and that was just kind of unsustainable. I was working on like eight to ten projects at any one time, and that could be briefing in for a custom track or trying to license a Missy Elliott song or, you know, inquiring about a Queen song or whatever it is, whatever needed to be done. And it just felt like there was a lot going on. The business development side of that has changed and we've set up some kind of better inroads for brands to do some of this themselves or um you know, give them options that that means they don't necessarily need us to hold their hand through it. So I think that's a really exciting development that I wasn't really expecting to be a part of. Um, but yeah, that's all moving all the time and we're kind of set in our idea as long as we are. And then if something better comes along or something that works better for our brands, then we go with that. Mm, nice. And which, um, which internal stakeholders do you work with and how do you work with them good question so we have a few kind of i i guess that we have a handful of cross-functional teams that we <clears throat> that we work with regularly so we have the music ops team um, and they work kind of regionally at the minute to like i said engage with artists on the platform if an, an artist has got a new song coming out they kind of help them to exist on the platform in a way that benefits them and also you know makes our kind of music offering look as good as it ca as it can and just kind of aid them i think tiktok's quite a scary place for everyone rights holders artists managers so we're kind of all at hand at different points to try and reassure them and make sure that they understand what's happening they feel like they're getting you know a good deal if it comes to sync or they're getting good support when it comes to um you know content on the platform we also work with music legal um they look over a lot of the paperwork that we do they help us in terms of setting out structures for how brands engage with our team. We also have kind of the other licensing teams that kind of just plays into, you know, our relationships with the rights holders and how we're helping to super serve the rights holders as best we can from whatever need that is, whether that's kind of helping them understand the platform or giving them a bit more insight into what we do and why we want to work with them. We also have um, the sales team uh, and they essentially sell ad space to the brands um that's a really big team that need just a bit of support because they kind of juggle everything they're a bit like project managers i suppose if once a brand's decided they're going to launch a campaign it's our sales team's responsibility to kind of make that happen we also have a creative lab team which is like a best practices how to shine on the platform kind of um team and again that's spread across emia so they focus on the kind of bigger brands that are more committed to the platform, I suppose. If a brand comes to us and say, we want a plan for the next year of how to absolutely smash it on the platform, it would kind of be the creative lab team probably that helps them in terms of coming up with ideas and, and giving them kind of really exciting projects to, to take into consideration. So yeah, there's usually about four or five teams involved at any one point and that we can be somewhat involved if it's just giving a bit of guidance or we can kind of execute the whole of the music 
negotiation on their behalf from briefing and pitching to you know um, negotiating the deal um, so yeah there's definitely um, a handful of us involved at any one point you're very rarely doing a project on your own very collaborative environment and out of the projects that you've worked in, the brands that you've worked with, you've worked with so many from JD Sports to UEFA to NFL. Um, is there a project that you are particularly proud of? I think given the kind of fast paced nature of TikTok, anything that gets done feels good, I think, because it's it's still still so new. And we're all, all the time trying to kind of encourage brands to really lean into the platform because it feels like a bit of a risk sometimes. It's a very unusual place. It's not really social media, but it's not really like advertising. It's kind of a mix of the two. Um, so we kind of have to do a bit of all of that. And I think one of my favourite ones was last year we did, the like you were saying, the JD Sports campaign. That one felt like a really exciting one. So essentially... Um, JD Sports wanted to come up with a quote-unquote unofficial Euros anthem. Um, we worked with them for about eight weeks, I think, on the lead-up. Um, and we decided, or they decided, that they wanted to do a reimagination of All Together Now by The Farm, which is a really classic football song. But the thing that kind of thrives on TikTok that we find is like taking something that people know and just tweaking it a bit. So whether that's a remix or speeding it up or doing a cover of it like all of those things seem to really thrive and I think it's like the familiarity and the excitedness of something that's new kind of coming together um so we kind of workshopped a few ideas um we worked with my good friend Rachel at BMG and all of the BMG crew um and essentially ended up with um Toddler T and Lady Leisha doing a reimagination of of All Together Now by The Farm um and it got used on their advertising campaigns it then kind of went a bit further it got released as a as a commercial track it ended up on spotify ended up on a bunch of like new music playlists on the friday that it came out which i just think was so incredible because our aim is always to make something so exciting on the platform that it kind of carries off platform and i think this was the the biggest accomplishment of that so far you know there was a music video that lady leisha was involved in um, it kind of spiralled and spiralled and it was just a really exciting moment for us to see how we can help direct that culture, I guess, and that kind of popular culture movement um, that I've never really been a part of before. And having, you know, the collaboration with all the teams, there were so many people involved in that project internally and externally. Um, that was the one that I think is, was really, really exciting in terms of something I've never done before. But like I said, we do, I do a lot of like custom music projects now with our um, bespoke music houses. And that is something that I'd, I'd never, ever done before I got here. And now I've got like two years of really cool stuff that I'm just like really proud of. I think it's, it's like I said, I'm not a musical gal in terms of skill or <laughs> um, <laughs> instrumentation, but being able to kind of put together a brief, work on it with either the producer or the artist or the custom house and kind of feed that back to the brand and be that middleman of making sure everyone's happy and knows what they're doing is is always really exciting and you're very in it and you you know we're really lucky that the brands kind of take our advice on things as well so because we're so au fait with what happens on the platform it's really nice to have that support from the brands where they go like well what do you think or we've got these two options, which one do you think is best? So yeah, I would say that one's probably the one that sticks out in my head. I think the Ed Sheeran Euros thing live that we did last year was just a massive, massive undertaking that took a lot of time and effort. And, you know, it wasn't heavily branded. It wasn't a super branded thing. It was mostly a TikTok and Euros kind of thing. But there was a live recording that Ed Sheeran did um, in his hometown, the stadium. Um, and then we had to kind of license it for all of the rebroadcasts and then there was promo and then there was marketing and all this kind of stuff that came with it. It became, I ended up making this absolutely horrendous looking like clearance matrix of what songs we needed where and when and all of this kind of stuff. So just the kind of all together nature of like, all right, well, this is what we're doing. So let's do it um, was a really, really nice and kind of crazy, exciting thing to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, embracing the complexities and having fun with it all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And being able to say, like, look, guys, this looks like a disaster zone. Like, what's going on here? Or how do we need to structure this better? Or, you know, taking learnings from that so that when we do it next time, we know how to do an even better job and things like that. I think 
the collaboration that you get from working all the, with all the teams at TikTok is is just unlike anything I've ever really amazing so I'm just gonna ask you two more just to kind of round off thank you so much for giving so much insight and sharing so much passion for what you do it really comes through and in everything looking back what do you think is a common thread that drives your career um personally for me um I think I just always want a bit more I'm quite not hard on myself but I just I'm always thinking okay well what's next what's next what's next and I think I got that from my dad he was very like that and that kind of like well this is great but what what do I do after that and where do I want to be next and it's not like I'm not making a 10-year plan but it's just like okay well this was good or this isn't so great what do I do next how will that affect what I'm doing now um and then externally I I've just I've had very supportive peers um the sink industry in general is very supportive it's a really I think it's quite an unusual world to be involved in you know everyone knows everyone you like regular sink drinks which is like people all getting together and just talking about their own lives it doesn't have to be necessarily about the project that they're on but like you will see these people year in and year out month in and month out and, and knowing that you've got a community there that you can phone up someone and just go look this has happened I really need your help I need some suggestions for stuff this is and being honest and saying you know this is how much time and money we've got is there anything you can do I think the the sync community in itself is actually a very very nice place to be um which is, has really helped because I think if I'd have known eight and a half years ago that it would be the same people <laughs> for probably my whole career in the same city for my whole career it probably would have felt quite daunting and quite like there was a lot of expectation there but everyone's just really nice and everyone's very willing to get along and help each other and everyone's got an eye out for each other which I think is is a really really nice environment to try and kind of thrive in <laughs> yeah and you can all help each other along to move to where you want to go next exactly yeah keep building what is your go-to record? We ask all of our guests this, and I know it's a trickier question for some. Don't ask me about music, for God's sake. I know. How, how dare I? <laughs> how could you? Put me on the spot, even though I knew this was happening. <laughs> yeah, what would you say your go-to record is? I mean, right now, I've got two albums that have been on repeat <clears throat> for as long as I can remember now. Harry's House. Mm-hmm. You are a big Harry Styles fan. Big Harry Styles fan. I didn't know it until this year, but apparently I am. Um, and also my second album of the last year or so is um, Self Esteem, Prioritise Pleasure, which I am 100% obsessed with. I heard a song on the radio like six or nine months ago. And I was like, I've heard I've heard their name. I've heard the name loads. Um, I'll just give the, that album a listen. And it's... I basically nearly played it every day since I saw them at Glastonbury it was the highlight of my whole weekend they played at like a little PRS after party thing um it was after the Ivers or something and it I, honestly it made me cry it was like really captivating um and I just I just absolutely love them and I love her and I think she's really standing up for women which I and I like the way she does it it's a bit tongue-in-cheek but it's also very serious and I think that maybe hasn't happened a lot in the last few years. There's lots of really amazing female artists, which I'm, you know, a lot of the people I saw at Glastonbury were actually female artists, which is something I was really aware of, but not something I'd chosen on purpose, which I thought was really, really nice and a real change from the norm of going to other festivals, probably. Um, so those are my two of the last maybe six months I've been fully obsessed with. And then um, outside of that, Aerosmith and Blink-182 are my two kind of lifelong go-tos of like what I can't think of a single thing to listen to what would it be it's probably Aerosmith nowadays love that bringing the old back to the new and finally what one action would you encourage our listeners to take on um to further their career in the music industry I think it's just have a good attitude and I know that that sounds vague but I think there will be times when you feel a bit beaten down and a bit like you've struggled to try and make something work whether that's a job or a team that you're in or a project that you're working on and it it can feel quite all consuming because music is obviously such a big deal for people that are in the industry but I think just try and have a positive attitude to it and there will be some stressful bits but I think 
the amount of learning and the amount of um, development that can come from them is really good. And I've had times where I think, oh my God, what am I doing? This is so stressful. I could just get a much easier job. <laughs> um, but I think the perks and the positives and the kind of industry that is built <clears throat> around all those people is, is really nice, but it sometimes feels quite far away and you have to kind of try and remember that next week you'll have a really amazing week and something really great will happen and you'll feel so proud of yourself. Um, so it's, it can be a bit ebb, ebbs and flows, but um, yeah, I think just trying to remember that these these things come and go and that music's a really, really exciting world to work in. And it's Well, thank you so much, Kelly. No, thank you for having me. It's been brilliant chatting to you. And for any listeners who um, want to submit music to Kelly, um, we can include the disco link in the show notes. Yeah, we're always um, open for, for that. We don't get a lot of opportunity to brief out all the time because of the kind of fast-moving nature. So we like to just have as many, <laughs> as many songs at hand whenever we can and however we can. So yeah, please do. This podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you over in the next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.